This week's episode is sponsored by the Harold Longchin Viking Memorial Service. We'll put you on a boat and set fire to it. For a reasonable fee of 98% of your estate, of course. Entry to Valhalla guaranteed. Not a guarantee. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever, it's an absolute delight to be here. And I'm Keith Baker from Together Studios. Yes, we have a special guest this week. Keith is back. Yeah. Second visit to the podcast. He's here to talk to us uh, at and all about his um, undying love for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, I believe. Is that correct? It is, that is the worst. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Ugh. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm shuddering just thinking about it. But yes. <laughs> yeah, so as, as you know, I listen to your podcast, Keith. And, um, just like, well, just only fair. Like, I mean, you know, we're... Yeah, yeah. we're Reciprocal arrangement. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, strict neutrality in these things. Yeah. But uh, recently you did a sort of Star Trek retrospective going through the original Ooh. series movies. Mm-hmm. Nice. Largely, one through, one through think, six. Yeah, yeah. I think we largely agree, except I think maybe I like... Three a little more than you do, maybe. I'm not sure. I, I think that was the biggest, the biggest change. I, I did not particularly care for three, uh, but we can all agree that five is is an abomination. Oh, yeah. Yes, but <laughs> so many things wrong. Wrath of Khan was number two. Wrath of Khan was number two, and, no, and we, we, we like Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I think I think that's probably remains my favorite of the bunch. Mm. But anyway, let's talk some RPG stuff, shall we? Oh, oh RPGs! <laughs> Wait, do we <laughs> play RPGs? Oh, all right, sure. I, I, I suppose I suppose as like arguably the best. If only because we're the only RPG news podcast, we probably should do that. I can segue perfectly into this with some news about. Modipus's yes. Star Trek Adventures RPG. Oh. How smooth was that? Very nice. That was super smooth. <laughs> like, yeah. Go on. Tell us more. <laughs> so they have released for $3.99 on their website mm-hmm. a PDF with a bunch okay. of original series classic villains started out for their uh, 2D20 Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, it, no set like this could be complete without Come! Now, now, is it only original series? Because I thought it had Q in it. <laughs> it does have Q in it, so it's not only you're correct. It's not yeah, only original series, is it? And also has the Borg Queen. She's uh, uh, although oh, I found yeah. I find I find Q to be such an odd choice because I'm just like, oh. isn't Q just literally the game master? Well, yeah, I, haven't, know. I mean, yeah, like, do you have people. stats yeah, yeah. for Q? Yeah. I have. I haven't oh. bought it and had a look. I, yeah. I, I maybe they, they don't. Have, I don't know. Well, well, I recall that one of the ways they were differentiating Deep Space Nine from the next generation was Q turned up, and Cisco was like, "Huh, Q, bam, right to smack out." I was like, "Ooh, bold choice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is brave. Q could just turn around and end the universe out of spite." <laughs> yeah, but um. 
but yeah, so I'm 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 interested. You know, it, it sounds entertaining. I haven't played uh, played the game yet, but I've heard good things about it. Sadly, yeah. I haven't either. But again, I've heard good things about it, and I do very because I'm such a trackie and I'm such a RPGer. The two, it's just it's just the the Venn diagram intersection of things for me. It really is. Jay, do you guys remember Freeport Death in Freeport? I vaguely remember Death in Freeport. I wrote for a couple of Freeport books, Denizens yeah. uh, and a few of the others. So, so I remember uh, for, Freeport. Yeah. Oh. So for, for, for those who don't know, Freeport is Green Ronin's sort of pirate-themed setting. Oh, oh. And uh, Freeport's a sort of, uh, what is it, it's a coastal city. And back in, it was like 20 years ago, I think, when, <laughs> it, when it first came out. Um, oh. And the very, one of the very first third edition, third-party adventures... It may have been, maybe not the first, but if not the first, within like the first two or three, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, was Death in Freeport um, <laughs> from, from Green Running. Uh, so it's 20 years later, uh-huh. and they have 4.5e released uh-huh. an anniversary edition, 20th right. anniversary edition of Death in Freeport. How exciting. So if you want a bit of pirates and a free city and a pirate haven and all that sort of stuff... Bam. And all done for fifth edition. All done for fifth edition. Yes. Oh, I do. I do know a GM who's attempting to run a pirate-themed game in fifth edition. So I this could recommend be right this one to them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, mean, been, I definitely enjoyed uh, enjoyed Freeport. Like I said, it's been a wrote very for a long time. Yeah, it's been a very yeah. long time since I've looked at Freeport, but I might pick this one up. Hmm. You know, Graham Davis. See, yeah. Graham Davis. Uh, I have a feeling I worked on a, a Freeport Beat series with Graham Davis, but maybe I'm getting uh, my my details mixed up. So, anyhow, oh. worked you're on a bunch of things. You're making us all feel old now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the uh, <laughs> Twenty years ago, there you go. Yeah, so it was before Eberron. That was that was the, yeah, the Freeport stuff yeah. I did. That's true. Now I look back on it, was definitely some of my earliest, uh, you know, earliest role playing work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I just forgot. So we've got these questions to do. I, I was yeah, thinking, yeah. should we should we sprinkle them throughout the podcast rather oh. than do them all at once? Uh sure. That sound fun? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Well, we should probably introduce what the questions are for. Yeah, that yeah. seems like a strong choice. Yeah, that's right. a good point. Yeah. Uh, so we have to give away three, three, not one, not three. two, not four. Yes. I'm going all Monty Python now. But three hardcover copies of Keith's... Okay, so four hardcover... No, not four. no, I'm confusing that. Three. Uh, five is five. right out. <laughs> well, that's amazing. We haven't done a giveaway in years. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it sounds very exciting. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, three copies of Exploring Eberron, which uh, I'm sure every listener already knows is uh, Keith's latest Eberron source book. Hardcover. We're not giving away free PDFs here, we're giving away actual hardcovers. Yes. But there's a catch. Oh. Mm. Yes. It's oh. a test of skill, wit, flair, Bravery, um, bravery, yeah, just that. <laughs> and, co- and courage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that is bravery. Anyway, um, so uh, Keith is going to be asking. Well, not not necessarily asking questions, but setting three challenges. So three challenges. Two, two questions and oh. one one limerick. Isn't that, is that that correct? is correct? That is what yeah. we've got right now. I will say one that has an absolute concrete answer, one that is is a creative challenge, and a limerick. Okay. So, well, so, this sounds amazing. Yeah. 
Which goes stuff for us, Tolkien Power? Come on, then, Keith. Uh, yeah. It's for the first one. <laughs> All yes. right. Well, the first one, I will say, you know, this is the one that has, has an actual clear answer, uh, is in Eberron, uh, or at least in Corvair, the mm-hmm. grandest city is, is Sharn, City of Towers. And while you're at Sharn, there is a fine entertainment uh, district where... Mm all sorts of uh, marvelous shows and performances can be seen. And uh, I would like you to name one of the popular shows that you could see while visiting Sharn. What is, what is the show that your character is going to try to uh, take in while you're visiting the city? There's a few possible answers, but as I said, there are, I'll clarify to say, a performance that has been named in a canon source. Right. Oh, there you I, go. I, I, and we've tried to make sure these aren't too easily Googleable, these yes. answers as well, right. haven't we? So you can't just quickly, yeah, quickly Google yes. them. But you I will say do. that this is certainly uh, a question that has, again, more than one right answer, but it is Ooh. a question that has answers out in the books. Okay. So. Nice. Nice. Right, so that is the first question. Uh, so uh-huh. well, what you'll need to do is email us your answers. So you'll, what you'll be emailing us is three answers. Yeah, three answers. Uh, three, not, not one. Not Five two. is right now. <laughs> we can do that again. No. Uh, three <laughs> answers. <laughs> Peter's uh, shaking his head. He does not like it when I quote Monty Python. <laughs> he does like not approve. Funny. <laughs> yeah. oh, we digress. So where should they where should the email go? One email with three answers, not three emails with one answer. Correct. Yes. Uh, one email with three answers to yes. morrispodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And the second two questions, the second two, no, the second and third questions yes. will be coming later in the podcast. So that was the first yes. question of three. Ah, question one. Right. Technically that one was question three. I'm just Doing them in reverse order. Okay. Just, yeah, no, okay. no, just kidding. So, that was, so, that so was now anybody, one, you, sure. you have to listen to the podcast in reverse order. You have to listen <laughs> no, to no. the podcast back. Or ordering uh, the answers, I feel, will be an important. <laughs> as long as you get them correct, that's the main Correct. Yeah. That's yes. true. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, so that, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. That's a really generous offer. I very much appreciate it. Uh, I think our listeners uh, also appreciate the chance to win such a fine-looking book. Mm. Anyway. Shall we, so, shall we move on with the news? Yeah, now this is a good one. Uh-huh. Peter, yes. you have the power. Oh, that is seems like He-Man? a cool plan. <laughs> oh, yes, or it is. He-Man. she is for the honor of Grayskull. He-Man's for the power of Grayskull. Yes. That's what I thought. Oh. I was like, same He-Man to me. Yeah, what about He-Man? Oh, so, brand new Masters of the Universe RPG. Nice. It is being produced by Fandom, uh-huh. who, who make D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. They do the wikis. Yes, they used, well, they still do, yeah. They used yeah. to be called Wikia. And yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They rebranded last, hmm. was it last year, or maybe the year before, okay. to Fandom. So they own, uh, they own D&D Beyond, That's and cool. they are releasing next year with a mm-hmm. playtest coming beforehand, a yep. new Masters of the Universe RPG. Oh, nice. It will be powered by the Cortex system. Yeah. Which they yeah. also now yeah. own. They acquired that from Margaret Weiss Productions last year. Okay. And if you recall, like, was it a week ago or two weeks ago, they announced the Dragon Prince RPG as well. 
from uh, an epic well, show. Is that the same people? Right, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah the same yeah. people. So it looks yeah. like they, they're doing a bit of a, a licensing sweep at the moment. Mm. So maybe, well, maybe there'll be I, another I one know, next week. I know Netflix has had she on, which I haven't personally seen, but a lot of my friends have, and they think it's absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm a little surprised they're, they're going, frankly, for... Uh, if it is specifically for for human over Shira, I don't know. Shira would have been the more. Yeah. If it's Masters it's of the Universe, that is, that is the whole thing. Then okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, basically, there's a trailer. Uh, it's called Legends of Grayskull, Masters uh, of the Universe, and there's a trailer with Castle Grayskull, and then you see some cartoon dice flying down in front of Castle well, Grayskull. See, see, that sounds to me like it ought to be both. It could be both. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't well, specifically well, the, the, the say it is. brother and sister, it would be silly not yeah. to have both. Yeah. 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 Yeah, probably it does. Probably it does. Or, or, it, doesn't, or, it doesn't say it doesn't. I'm not, I'm not familiar with like the new stuff, but like yeah. the old stuff was, she was a lot darker yeah. in tone than He-Man. He-Man it was like, well, yeah. I'm in charge. Well, the, well, the only reason like, fighting back. I'm calling out he, uh, He-Man as opposed to she is because the trailer... Oh. literally does end with someone going, you you have the power, you know, like, like he man does. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And there, there, there aren't any hints, there aren't any sort of uh, Shira quotes in the, in the trailer, yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's a short, uh, it's a a teaser. A, a, a grave short. oversight, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably yeah. find out more, and it probably is, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. Seems, seems unlikely it wouldn't be. Well, well, very exciting. So the Cortex system, they've also used that for... I think Smallville and Firefly. So yeah, yeah Margaret Weiss Productions used that for a whole leverage. bunch of license. Uh, yeah, leverage, yeah. Leverage, yes. Although this yeah. is a version of the system. I mean, there's a yeah. couple of different versions of the system because that's Cam Banks' system. Yes. Isn't it? And uh, there's Cortex, and there's Cortex Plus, and there's Cortex Prime, I think. And I'm not 100% clear which is which or which one's being used here. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to play any of them. I've only had. Yeah, no, I, I sadly haven't either. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It, it looks like it'll be good. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. I know well, it'll well, be good. Yeah, that's the What else is um? What else is there in the news? Okay. Yes. Okay, then. Uh, so, uh, Starfinder's next adventure path. New adventure yeah. path. Yeah, I'm so actually that... quite excited for that because I'm going to be reading Esper Genesis. And Ooh. if there's one thing I know, it's if Starfinder does good adventure paths, I should totally rip them off and use them for Esper Genesis. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, so their upcoming adventure path is called The Devastation Arc. Ooh, nice. Um, so it starts off, um, humbly enough, but before long, um, your team is going to be in this big war to nice. stop this AI that has a whole bunch of robotic soldiers um, because of some kind of triggering event on the moon. Right. And there's wizards as well, apparently. Evil Trill. Mm, or Evil mark. Trill, yeah. yeah. Or, or the Gorn Captain or something. The two. <laughs> oh, that's the Gorn Captain. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> you have to invent gunpowder. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> hey, Rivers of London. You're you're looking forward to this, aren't you, Peter? Yeah, yes. Uh, they've released the lineup of a uh, yes, yes, they have. Yeah. Uh, the, well, the creative team, the writers of the, uh, of, the, of, the of the game, hmm. and um, well, let me just call up that this because it's a nice grid of pictures as well. They've even given us pictures yeah. of them, which I always think is lovely. Yeah. Um, so, so, have you have you come across the Rivers of London series, Keith? I have not. Oh, um, it's basically a bit like Harry Dresden, except oh, nice. the guy works right. for the Metropolitan Police in London. Nice, uh, alright, I'll check it out. But he's he's he and he's more of a trainee wizard. Uh, it's quite interesting following it up. So yeah, write it out. I, yeah, uh, I, I, I have not come across it yet, but it is on my list. Yeah. Thank right. you. Rivers of London. Yes, you said? Ben Aronovich. I, I actually really, really, really rate the audiobooks. I don't okay. know if you're an audiobook person, but 
the guy who narrates for audiobooks, Colbner Hogbrook-Smith. If you want to know what Peter Grant sounds like, that's the voice that you need to have in your head because he's bang on and yeah, well, very I talented have, actor. I've made a note. So well, I'm, well, I I'm assume that fandom will be coming out with the role playing game in <laughs> just a little while. <laughs> well, this one's this one's Chaosium, not fandom. Yes. So Chaosium, oh. Chaosium beat them to it. Oh, well, okay. They announced it about six months ago, actually. But uh-huh. um, they've uh, they've just announced the uh, lineup, the write, the writing team. So the writing team is. Oh, got it, uh, got it, got it, got it. Right. Uh, right. I failed Tricker. to parse some of the earlier statements properly. I get it now. So uh, where, where was it? Yeah. So we have got Paul Fricker who mm-hmm. is a freelance writer and game designer. We've got Adam Gauntlet, which is one of the coolest names I've ever heard in my entire life. Adam Gauntlet. I actually want that name. I'm going to ask him if he'll swap names with me. Uh, we've got Lloyd Gian. Yes, an excellent who, GM. Who also I might be working with soon on something else. Very nice. I have um, had some yeah. positive contact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have... Runs, yeah, always runs games at Contingency when it was running. And yeah. Very, very in demand and very, very funny and very smart. So, yeah, hmm. you're doing well there, maybe. So. Uh, we have Lynn Hardy, oh. who uh, is the associate editor for Call of Cthulhu. And did uh, the Cogs, Cakes and Swordsticks RPG, which is yes. a very small, very cute steampunk themed uh, game, which I happen to Sounds own. Sounds good to large, me. Largely on the strength of the fact that Lynn ran a game for me. Because, yeah, that's how you get me to buy your books. Just for the game. Yes, that always helps, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who have we got? We've got Gavin Inglis. Mm-hmm. And we have Keris McDonald. Yes, I think I think Keris has been, what's it, running, playing D&D since 1981. Uh, it said in her bio. I'm like, huh, okay, that... Uh, like, you know, I, 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 I always acknowledge, like, intellectually, that's a thing you can do. But it's a long time to be playing D&D. Uh, do you think it's the same campaign? Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I think we all know people who've been playing D&D for longer than that. I mean, we know... Not you know, longer. <laughs> well, not, yeah, yeah, 74 or so. I mean, we know, we know people that... Um, I don't, obviously, because that would be a biological impossibility. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm only 21, as, as, as you all know. <laughs> that's, that's true. We've established that canonically in a different podcast. So, you know, just here at speed, Keith. I'm, I'm it's glad like you can, yeah, on, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's I, all I, the Kickstarters for us friends that have come through the I this grey to my beard deliberately, to, <laughs> just, hmm. so, just so I can get into nightclubs. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Moving on. Anyone else on the lineup? Swift. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that was the entire lineup. That was, okay. uh, that was the lineup. But, uh, um, quite, 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 for quite what? A bunch. No, I'm sorry. I'm just going to try and circle all the way back. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we could do that. Let's <laughs> not. As, as, as me and Peter often say, the best jokes are the ones that you just uh, make over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the more often you tell them, the better I, I care. I subscribe to this theory of comedy. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. That is how comedy works, isn't it? Repetition? Yeah, yeah. Repetition. Just, repetition. Just, for sure. Just the only thing you need. You don't need wit. You don't need timing. As long as you can, as long as you can outlast the listener, you've won in the game of comedy, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as they give up in despair, you've won. Peter's giving me that look again. I'm thinking it's a very enlightening and insightful <laughs> comment for you to make for us. <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably just explains a lot about me. <laughs> mm, yeah, pretty much. 
perhaps, perhaps you should move on. This isn't really. I'm not really. Be, I'm not really charging you for therapy at this point. So I think <laughs> you should probably get on with the RPG news. That seems more relevant. Yeah. 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 Okay. Can we talk about level up then? Yes. Briefly. Yes, we should. That's amazing. Yes. So um, there's going to be a lot more news about this in the coming weeks. But level up is uh, or has just been announced as the advanced version of the 5e rule set by EN Publishing. Okay. Uh, We literally announced it last weekend. I've heard good things about them. EN Publishing now. A bunch of jerks, to be honest, especially especially the guy that runs it. (laughs) And he's got this terrible (laughs) podcast. Yeah, so uh, we announced it last weekend and uh, we launched it with a big survey because we're planning on uh, quite a data-driven process with surveys, playtest packets, the whole works over the next year or so. It's not going to be a it's not going to be a quick process at all. Mm. So uh, we started off with a uh, big old survey which asked a whole bunch of different questions, uh, and we've had thousands and thousands of people um, voting mm. on that survey. It's been quite gratifying to see. Um, people do really care about this. It seems, yeah. and. Uh, the survey was really useful because it asked things like, uh, you know, do, is it important to you that an advanced version of 5e be fully compatible with the existing yeah. 5e game? And yeah. so far on the survey, just looking at the stats, pretty much unanimously, thousands of people together yeah. all shouted in chorus, yes, <laughs> yeah. we do want it to be 100% compatible, which yeah. I pretty much figured they would anyway. I think that was uh, a no-brainer. Uh, but we've asked things about, do you want a uh, fully fledged out exploration pillar in the game? Because uh, I know some people feel that's not maybe not as strongly served as the other two pillars in d and Russ is baiting me again, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's, an, it's, it's an opinion that Peter holds. I, I will say that uh, for a long time, uh, when I... Uh, had had come out of university and was uh, just sort of, you know, wasn't at that time even working in the the business, but I was running a campaign for Andy Looney, Mm. who you might know from my podcast. I do, I do. Uh, And Andy's thing is, is he really didn't care for the the violence inherent in the system uh, and was was much more about exploration. So we called the, the game that we were playing Dungeons and Tunnels. Okay. Because yeah. it was much more focused on the yeah. we want to explore things, not yeah. fight monsters. So yeah. I'm all for a strength and exploration pillar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I definitely am. I really enjoy some of the work that um, Cubicle 7 did with the One Ring and Avengers mm-hmm. of Earth on that yeah. front. I think they did a really, really good job with their journey rules and stuff like that. So I think we'll probably be taking a bit of inspiration from that direction. Yeah, Which, you'd um, be foolish not to. It's got a lot yeah, of great yeah, ideas. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty much a yeah. That was pretty much a triumph, especially the one ring iteration of it. Uh, it's really, really strong. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, what else was there? There's things like uh, meaningful choices at every character advancement level prove is or is proving because the survey's still going on. Very popular in the uh, yeah. in, in the survey. I'm um, I'm playing in a, in a campaign now, and and my cleric just hit level ten, and I was just kind of like, huh. That's it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I could definitely sympathize with this one because I found, I think, probably my biggest complaint about 5e, I wouldn't say it's a, a complaint because I love 5e, but, um, no. uh, and this is why I, you know, I want to work on it to make it better, is um, character advancement isn't quite as exciting as maybe it has been in previous editions. You don't quite yeah. look forward to your next level in the same way you used to because you haven't quite got those things to reach out to next. 
No, no, I, mean, I agree. You, like I said, not, I was just like, much. yeah, I was, you guys I was, need to play fighters because every time I've advanced the level of fighter, it's been really <laughs> amazing. Well, well, I just, I just, as I said, went from ninth to tenth in, in cleric, and it's this the the main thing you get is this divine intervention. Mm-hmm. You can ask, and you've got like a one in ten chance of mm-hmm. of something good happening, and it's it's such a bizarrely abstracted ability, mm-hmm. especially yeah. in five e, that it you know just the you're actually rolling percentile dice i'm like yeah. i don't even remember the last time i rolled percentile dice yeah, uh, yeah. and and it's pretty much the only choice yeah well, what, so what was interesting that. about this is there seems to be a distinction between uh, meaningful benefits and meaningful oh. choices i, I yeah. agree oh. i don't need i you know i don't need necessarily a, a an actual concrete new thing but it would be interesting yeah. to make make a choice yeah yeah oh. Yeah, at each level. I mean, I think Pathfinder Second Edition does that very well. At each level, you're yep. choosing b- between at least three things, no matter yep. what class and what level you're you're at. You're choosing. You're making a choice at each level. It's not a big choice. You're basically choosing one of three feats each time. It's not. Yep. It's not an over, a big overwhelming. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and it's not difficult. Uh-huh. It's. But it is a choice, and it uh-huh. you know it engages you with that level up rather than just adding a few yep. numbers on and adding on a a new benefit. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Well, bravo. What else? Uh, yeah, uh, well, there's a whole bunch of survey stuff, and the survey's not finished yet, so we'll probably go into that maybe in next week's yeah. podcast or some other podcast anyway. Yeah. Um, but I was just also saying we're also recruiting. Um, recruiting actually ends today, so by the time people hear this, it's going to be too late. Yes. Um, but Because uh, this will go out tomorrow. Uh, but we, we're... Is it worth extending the recruiting deadline? Because we've not mentioned this on the podcast, which reaches thousands, literally tens of people. <laughs> seven people no <laughs> uh, but yeah but we're reaching out because we really want a really diverse set of voices in this as well yes. which yeah. is which we think is really 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 important and not yeah. you know not just uh, a, a, a few people pitching in a little bit here and there right at the core level we yeah. want a diverse set of voices so uh, not only are we reaching out to a whole range of diverse people and we've had some really good responses from some which I'm really yeah. super Gratified about and can't wait to work with them. It's going to be amazing. Mm. Uh, and also, we uh, we've got people applying um, via via the website via a, oh. via a form on the website. Um, so you can you, well you could can't now because it's ended. But you could go oh. through that way. And we got some hundred and fifty odd applications that way as nice. well, mm. which is going to be you know fun to sort through. Mm. Yeah. What's, the, what, what's the website if people are interested? Levelup5e.com. Levelup5e.com. Yes. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Get involved in the forums community and find out more about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk a lot more about that. It's yeah. so such early days at the moment. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be it's going to be a thing going on for the next year. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm again. Yeah. Hey, uh, Twilight 2000 Kickstarter. Oh, this is the like the Third World War game, isn't it? Mm. So, so is it now Twilight twenty thirty, or are we are we doing uh, a wacky now? It's in the past. Um, it's mm. still Twilight two thousand. Huh. Right, all right. Uh, it's the uh, fourth That's edition. sounding that used to be. Got to say, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of set in an alternate history. No, no, I appreciate I that. I mean, that that to me is is the the Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. approach where they're mm-hmm. just like okay it's not your history and that's yeah, fine but it's interesting taking a game that used to be set in the future and now it's set in the past yeah where, where's Blade Runner the new one's 2047 isn't it when was the original set so, uh 
I forget when the original was set. I just I was just saying that with 2047, you know, it's very clear that yeah. oh, the past is not your past. Yeah, sure, yeah. You know yeah. that they are maintaining the what we saw happen in mm. the original. Yeah. Pan well, Am is, is still a going concern, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so this is going to be another powerhouse from Free League. Oh, which is yes. stomping all over the industry at the moment. <laughs> they are doing so well with everything they do. They're striving uh, like a very pretty colossus. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're amazing. They produce such good stuff, and I mm. adore their alien RPG, mm. um, which uh, they won any for a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Well, you should probably talk to them and say hi. Yeah, yes. we should reach out to them and get them on the podcast, definitely. Um, so this is uh, this is the new edition of Twilight 2000. It's on Kickstarter now. Oh. It doesn't launched... have aliens in it. Uh, no. I don't. Because I'm just saying, you know, that, that <laughs> would I... raise my interest level. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't know what system they're using for it. Let's have a look. I'm just reading this right now. So just like the original version, new edition set in the year 2000, devastated by war. Uh-huh. Uh, a whole list of the design team. It's got Angus A. Branson on there. She's uh-huh. doing some editing. Who's running something called Armagosa Press now, apparently. Oh. Didn't well, know that. So we learn. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's using a, a hex cording system established in the post-apocalyptic Mutant Year Zero and in the Forbidden Lands RPG. So if you're familiar with either of those, it's the Year Zero engine, which is also used in the Alien RPG. There you go. So, so you, you can, can, you can put the aliens in it. You can. You can put the aliens in it. That's excellent news. Excellent. Yes. Um, but right. I was saying, launched on Kickstarter, within a couple of days, it blew past $100,000. It's now at $271,000. It's doing incredibly That's well. over a quarter million dollars. Yes, it is. In just a few days. This thing <laughs> might hit a million. Wow. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, it's so, doing so well. Yeah. It's got three weeks yeah. left to go, yeah. Fair play, fair play then. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, but why not? Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. What else have we got in the news? Should we have a look? So we can yes. find some more news. Oh, yes, right. So uh, ICB2 stats. How exciting. Yeah. So they released the spring 2020 stats. Mm-hmm. And let me call those up. How is the industry doing? Uh, yeah. Well, this is interesting. So... The top couple of uh, places, pretty much, you know, they basically do uh, interviews with retailers, distributors, and manufacturers uh, every quarter. And then they uh, release a top five chart every quarter. Uh, Always, Wizard of the Coast is at the top of it with Uh D&D. Usually, Paizo follows up with Pathfinder. Uh Uh, There was a while while they didn't, but that was only because it was kind of in the lead up to Pathfinder 2E. And when you're coming out to a new edition, it does it does tend to fall off. Uh, so, so what we've got, we've got D&D in first place, we've got Pathfinder in second place. In fourth place, we've got Starfinder. But oh. third place is interesting. Cthulhu? No. No. Oh. The third place is a catch-all category for oh. non-official 5E compatible products. Huh. I've never seen this in the chart before. So, I'm not even sure what to make of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they called out... What's, this, what's, it what's this category for again? Oh, so 5E compatible. Yeah. So they called out Goodman Games in particular. Uh, okay, right. So third-party publisher. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. They, men- they mentioned Kerbal Press as well, or in a couple of right. others. But basically yeah. saying that all, the, all these things, none of them would actually make the chart on their own. No. But as a catch-all category, 5E yes. compatible games, third-party yes. games, is yeah. now the third biggest selling retail right. channel, uh, hobby channel, sorry, so from hobby game stores. Yes. Um, huh. Category of things. Huh. I, I guess 
Uh, I mean, Keith, where, where, where would Eberron fall in that? Is that a third-party thing, or no, you're probably oh, a wizard? See, I don't know you? how you. I don't know how you call it. I mean, Eberron in yeah. general is is yeah. official. It's the thing we wizards. just put yeah. out, uh, exploring Eberron, is yeah. not official. It is third-party, yeah. but, that, that but would, it's enforced specifically this is through. And uh-huh. it's specifically through the DMs guild. Yeah, and so that's that why I'm not hilarious. sure how it would fit there. Yeah. It's not official, mm. but it's DMs guild. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's for the official setting. So yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. But, but this is specifically hobby channel stuff, so it's literally huh. game yeah, stores. So that's the thing. It, it, yeah. it doesn't, you know, fit on yeah. that at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. interesting. And then uh, number five, there we've got our uh, Art House Story and Cyberpunk game. It's, uh, it's jumped in there. Oh, yes, yes. But okay, the fifth cool. position, it's always kind of like D&D and Pathfinder and maybe yeah. Cthulhu at the top. Uh, and then fifth condition, fifth position See? is always whatever's hot this quarter. Uh, right, I think we're nearly done on the news. Like Shadow, Shadow of the Weird Wizard. Let's talk about yeah. Shadow of the Weird Wizard yes. very briefly. Oh, is this uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord, the yes. child-friendly version? Yeah. So oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, so Robert Schwab's... Um, yeah. Uh, game nine. What was yeah. interesting was originally it was called Shadow of the Mad Wizard. Yes, Ooh. and he got a little bit of pushback with about yeah. the word mad. Yeah, and uh, on reflection, he decided to change it to Shadow of the Weird Wizard. And also, I think that kind of makes it sound. It's a bit, more alliterative. Uh, yeah, I, quite like yeah, it. I, th- I yeah. think it's a it's a it's a better title anyway. But um, mm. what's interesting is that Mad was used by Wizard of the Coast as well. Mm-hmm. Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So I wonder yeah. if that, that factored into his decision a little bit as well, because mm. it might have sounded a little bit too similar to, to an official D&D product, which... Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, don't I, know I definitely read some of the discussions of the, the pushback. So. Yeah. yeah, so you, you think it was mainly about... That was the impression like, I got, for sure. Yeah. Destigmatizing yeah. mental illness is something that everyone yeah. should get behind, because, you know what, it's like if you've got a mental illness, then you really don't need additional stigma as well. Yeah, sure, You're quite yeah. Enough already. yeah. 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 Well, anyway, he's uh, he's doing a kid-friendly version of Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, he's, he's, I, I, I gotta say, weird wizard. That that sound that gives me a lot more creative scope. I yeah. feel as a GM, I could come up with something really weird now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's just, it's not it's not like a tweaked version of the original game. No, no. it's a completely rebuild, complete rebuild of oh. the game's uh, mathematics and everything. So he started oh. again from pretty much from scratch to design oh, well. this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I think the result is going to be a similar structure, but it looks like yeah. a lot of the underlying um, maths and stuff might have been might have been yeah. changed. Interesting. Which is interesting. So it's sort of like Shadow of the Demon Lord Two. This time, it's weirder and more wizardy. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. A bit, and a bit more kid friendly. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Go him. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Might have to pick that one up. Actually, is that on Kickstarter or is it just a? Uh, he's, he's, he's only just started designing it. I think. I think it's going to be a while before before you can. Uh, before you can buy it or pledge to it or whatever it is he, uh, he's planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, look at Daryl's column. Let's find some more stuff. Uh, Goodman Games, Castle Amber. Hmm. Oh. So, you know, they do their classic adventures be visited, regenerated, reincarnated. Oh. I can't remember the exact word they use, but yes. um, they bring back old... Uh, D&D modules under license from Wizards of the Coast and they bring back these big hardcover things which has the original module in it, a couple of variations of the original module, um, a bunch of extra handouts and a fifth edition version of the module. So what you end up is quite a thick hardback book containing like four or five different versions of the same module and a bunch of extra stuff. So well, I have to about- say, uh, 
one of my first uh, role playing jobs was was I wrote a couple of books for Goodman Games. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm super glad to see them still, you know, out there and thriving. Well, as, as I mentioned earlier, ICV two called them out as particularly notable in that sort of third party yeah. space. Oh yeah, no, I've been doing great with the Dungeon Crawl Classics and such. For yeah, sure. yeah. So I think it's like their fifth or sixth. Uh, revisited, uh, revisited one. I can't remember which ones they've done offhand, but they've done they've done quite a few of them now, and this is like the fifth one. So, um, are yeah. you familiar with? I assume you are Keith Kozlander. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. Peter? Uh, is this based off? I want to say the books by Roger Zelazny, like Amber, or is this a different thing? No, it's a, it's a totally different thing. It's uh, uh, which case now? It's a it's a weird wacky castle which you're imprisoned in and you've got to escape. As, as oh. I recall, I, I, I had the module, never played the module, so have read it, but that was many years ago, so I'm kind of operating oh. off memory here. Um, is that, yeah, is that feel, your recollection? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny because that's the thing is I owned a lot of old modules, but I think like the only old module I ever actually ran straight, I would usually just take them in like steal ideas and do my mm. own thing. Uh-uh. I think the only one that I ever actually ran straight was Expedition to the Barrier Peaks, and that's mm. just because it was such an unusual adventure that I, yeah. uh, I just ran that one out of the book. Well, I ran the Dragon Arts modules all the way through. One to, I might have done uh, that too, actually, now you mention 12, it, just because there was like a 12. story there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Now, I'm a big, big oh. Dragonlance fan, as, uh, mm-hmm. as Peter knows. I wonder if I could use Exposition to the Barrier Peaks as possible science fiction game. Well, mm. do you recall last week we had Rich Lesky Flair on the show and he was talking about yes. uh, the yes. upcoming adventure he's doing, which yes. is. Not <laughs> which is the expedition it, it, to the barrier peaks, but it, from it, the other side. Yeah, well, I see. I was just about to say mountains. that. <laughs> that would be that would be uh, more intriguing to me. So when you say from the other side, you know, my immediate thought was play Starfinder or Star Trek, yeah. and you crash on a planet yeah, yeah. that is so, a D and D planet. Is yeah. that what he's doing? Yeah. So his his system well, is Esper Genesis, which is uh, fifth edition in space. That's- or fifth edition in space. So he's doing it from the space. Well, he, I think he said, he said there, he was doing it. So there's going to be two two adventuring parties. Oh, yes. And one and the acts of one, one affect yeah. the hmm. situation of the other in some yeah. way. And one of them is the sort of traditional D and D adventuring party uh-huh. finding the spaceship, That's and the other one is presumably the people, people on the spaceship. spaceship it is, who are yeah, like, I guess. Dude, where's our spaceship? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a great idea. Mm. I think that's coming to Kickstarter. In a, did he say in a month mm. or so? I can't remember. I think he said that's that. That's very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Soon. Yeah. Oh, so the very last piece of news, and then we can finish with the news, yes. is Wizard of the Coast put out a big survey that's a couple of days ago, or yesterday. Oh, yes. Or two days ago, sometime recently. Uh, so it's a big old survey asking um, a number of things. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it was about what tools you use as a player and as a DM and yeah. what you use in preparation and what you use during play and uh, things like that. But uh-huh. what was also interesting is one of the questions was, which of these D&D designers do you recognize the name of? Oh. And it listed a bunch of designers, some of them current, some of them older. So there was 
um, like Chris Perkins, on mm-hmm. there. and there was also Margaret Weiss, for example. And there, was, there, was, there was only about 12 as well. It was a big, big list. Just grub. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a massive list, so I'm not sure what prompted them to put, include those specific ones on that list. But the fact they had Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss on there makes me cross my fingers and hope well, they're doing something with... Uh, it was interesting in part because, of course, earlier in that, one of the questions was, you know, what of these settings would you be interested in playing in? Mm. And so, and that had included, like, Dragonlance and, yeah. uh, you know, Ravenloft and all the yeah. things. So, I mean, I had assumed there was a certain connection there. I guess so. I guess so. I mean, uh, it would be really interesting to see. I mean, they, well, they brought back Ravenloft. They brought back everyone, obviously. Uh, Forgotten Realms mm-hmm. goes without saying. Uh-huh. It'd be interesting to see if they do go with another one, other than the you know the Magic the Gathering ones they've been doing. Well, it was yeah. also interesting though because like one of the ones I distinctly remember is they had R.A. Salvatore on it, and yeah, this, is, this may that, yeah. be my bad memory, but does he even do like actually gaming? products or is he just a novelist he mainly does novels doesn't he yeah. so that's yeah, why i was sort of curious is i mean i guess because the question was would this name on a product increase your odds of buying the product so there were two questions and, if i recall one was which of these names do you recognize oh, and okay. one of them which of these names would prompt me to buy the product more right. or less more or less and and so that I just find I find Salvatore as I said the interesting thing because obviously yeah. Greenwood makes sense but uh, yeah it's just it, it's curious. Talk, talking of settings though because the Wizards huh. has released quite a few settings recently it's like four or five of them or about four of them oh. in the last couple of years. So in that ICV ICVU ICV two. That's what you I was trying to say. You just say it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, they um, release a, a magazine every quarter along with it, and they include some yeah. of the excerpts and the uh, interviews they've had with retailers. And, so, and, and all of this is anecdotal. It is inter- it's, yeah. not, it's not a massively statistic-based um, approach, but it is anecdotal. But some of the feedback they were getting from retailers is that while the settings have been doing okay, mm-hmm. um, the really, really big hits that really uh-huh. flew out the door were Volos and uh, I can't remember what the other one was. Xalifars. More than Xalifars, yes. Yeah. Xalifars, yeah. So well, just Volos so- and Xalifars are going to be absolutely huge because yeah. these are books that players will buy as Player well. Player options, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they're saying they like- haven't had, Wizards hasn't had a massive hit since those. I mean, what they've, they've been selling well, obviously, because they, yeah. they would, because they, you know. Yeah. I mean, you've great got stuff, more than Kion's Tomb of Foes, but that's yeah. just basically added even more Varieties of elf and yep. no, different no, no. kinds of dwarf. I know. It's like that's nice, but I won't be happy until there's 105 varieties of elf to choose from. Yeah, I know that uh, the Eberron <laughs> did exceed expectations, but I don't mm. know what expectations were. Yeah, no, I don't either. I, I, I'm just I, I think introducing a whole new class in was pretty yes, solid. For sure. No, yeah, absolutely. That, that helps, and also doing things like removing the intelligence penalty from orcs. Saying no, that's canon yep. now. You can yep, play yep. an orc wizard, and they don't have to be a comedy character. Mm. Well, it's very yep, short. Yep. I mean, just based mm-hmm. on the feedback I'm seeing about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and having like nice magic items, and mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, just just do, doing different options. Yeah. 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 I think people you look at these surveys and they try and determine from the surveys what Wizards is planning on doing next. 
Uh, uh. Twilight 2000, I think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Rivers well, of London. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> what's the lineup for that? <laughs> what's, the, what's the lineup for what? <laughs> no. oh, oh, Rivers of London. It's a um, it's a RPG that's going to be based <laughs> off a line of books. Remember, people, <laughs> humour, nine tenths, so, so, repetition. So, so, yeah, something to do with the Gorn Captain, I believe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's uh, where they are using magic to invent gunpowder. Drum. I was about to say, I'm, I'm adding yeah. gunpowder to, to Eberron, I assume. <laughs> you know, you've got to do it to okay. defeat the Gorn Captain. Hey, should we do our second question? Okay. Oh, we should do our second question. Yeah. Since we did our yeah. So, question. our second question, a little more uh, of a, a, you know, thought provoking challenge here, mm. uh, which is in Eberron, the gravest event that has happened in the, the last decade is the event, the morning, mm. which yeah. uh, destroyed the nation of Seer and ended the last war. And we have not revealed the the cause of the morning. And so I put it to you, person answering this question, what was the cause of the morning? <laughs> so this isn't a right or wrong question. This is a which which answer do I like uh, best question. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That sounds fun. Okay. So like like with the first question, we want one email with three answers. Yeah. Uh, to- I- I mean, what, what's what's the word limit on what caused the morning? Because I, I will, I would accept like a paragraph at most. You know, no, don't, no, don't, don't, don't we don't want pages. No, we want, know, a, novel. We want a novel. We want sentences. a novel from each listener, please. You know, three okay, sentences. Okay, is reading all of this. I'm I'm doing nothing. We have three, three sentences. sentences. Keep it to two hundred words or less, and everyone will be much happier. Okay. It needs to be tweetable. Yes, oh. let's, let's say that. Oh. It has to be. It has to be tweetable. If it doesn't fit in a tweet, oh. yeah. Oh, yep. you monsters! Okay, <laughs> fine. Well, what, how big? What tweets are now? Two hundred and fifty characters. Is that right? I don't know. Uh, but if you can't fit in a tweet, yeah, um, I, I think I think saying tweetable. What yeah. is? Uh, what was the cause of the morning? I tweet a lot of text. Is all I'm yep. saying. I've, I've read some very long Twitter threads. <laughs> and I'm just yeah. saying. I'm I'm happy to help the you one to tweet. confirm yeah. like, which is I, I, correct. I, I, Look, I'm going to lay down the law. You two are monsters. No, <laughs> 250 words or less. That's a reasonable limit to try and express it, <laughs> as opposed to in a tweet or a bunch of tweets. <laughs> Otherwise, if you don't specify, people just going to say, this is my tweet. Yeah, but bear, and you're bear, going bear, to, your mentions will be destroyed. Bear in mind that Keith has to read, read all of these. Yes. Yeah. So if it's tweetable. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, tweetable. It, it doesn't want because, to read it. because we might want to tweet it. You know, I'm just ah. saying that that is the concrete reason to me that it has to be something that we can share as a tweet. <laughs> so the tweetable answer, you can keep it short. You know, I, I believe that this mystery can be solved in a tweet. Mm. <laughs> the tweetable answer to the morning. Well, anyway, so you email your Hashtag answer. Hashtag <laughs> did nothing wrong. Um, that takes up some of your characters that's quite a long hashtag what's your twitter handle Keith I'm I'm asking for a friend (laughs) Hell Cow Keith at Hell Cow Keith there you go tweet your answers at Hell Cow Keith also send us an email as well because that's that's how we'll do it Keith has said destroy my mentions tag me so much so the email address for your answer is morrispodcast at gmail.com so you'll need yes. all three answers in your email the one that yes. uh, Keith asked earlier in the podcast yes. this one and the one that Keith will be asking Tell us later because yep. we're yep. evil when we're making you listen to the whole podcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> moving on it's time to play our favourite game it's time to play the
the game Our favourite game in all the world Guess the Kickstarter from just the name Should we play our favourite game in all the world? But we'll do it quickly and just do one each then Keith, uh, you remember the rules for our favourite game in all the world? The, old, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter And you try and guess what it is from just the name? Certainly <laughs> that, That's the name of the game and the rules That, that, that seems like the rules I, yes. I recall the concept of it Exactly. Yes. There you go. Good man. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll give it a go first, unless you would like there to. There you first. go. No, please do. Please okay, do. Okay then. Russ, hit me. Come on. Russ, okay then, <laughs> Peter. What yeah. is uh, Sviland or Sviland? Sviland. S V I L L A N D. Sviland. I think this is probably some sort of um, Nordic themed RPG. I'm hoping for Vikings. Um, I'm hoping for sort of like a, a dark fantasy with like um, where the trolls are dark and the elves are darker and um, it's like I don't know um, I guess sort of got a Morkborg aesthetic with like it's all very heavy metal with a touch of OSR in it um, lots of frozen wastes oh, keeps giving me the head shake no. I'm trying to think of these now so then, um, and maybe some squirrels squirrels uh, uh, what, what this session? will be for D&D 5th edition, I, I, I believe. No. It is very clearly uh, a 5th edition Ikea LARP. And course, it is all about uh, shopping at Ikea. Yes. Do you really need to roleplay that rather than just do that? <laughs> you don't need to, but you know... Do you need and to go two, to the Barrier Peaks? I'm just saying. And two, most IKEAs do object if you bring in like a full armory of uh, LARP weapons to hit each other with. Rude. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, IKEA. Oh. Any uh, answer well, is? Although, as, as, the, as the adverts keep telling me, I do pronounce IKEA wrong. It's IKEA. Oh, IKEA? As, I as, know as, as, as the Swedish know. gentleman Ikea. on the adverts tells me, it's IKEA. It is not IKEA. We all say it wrong. Huh. Okay, well, there you go. It's the Svelin, the IKEA role-playing game. That's my opinion. <laughs> it's going to be like going, like, like you know, Dawn of the Dead, where you uh-huh. have to be in the, the shopping mall. But uh-huh. It's going to be at IKEA. Yeah. Well, I think we, IKEA meeples are very overrated as well. Oh, okay. so. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> okay. You get your own one. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I did not know. I thought we had to compete That's against. right. No problem. Anyway... <laughs> What's yes, you're correct. You are correct. What? You oh. are correct. Somehow you are correct. It well, is the happen? true what? Norse setting for D&D Fifth Edition. Woo-hoo. Yes. Um, I don't really need to say much more than that. I mean, you know what you're getting, don't you? Pre- pre- D&D Fifth Edition, a Norse setting. Does it, in fact, you mentioned at the end, I can't remember if it was squirrels or something like that. Does it have the squirrels? squirrels aren't involved, I will be super sad. Well, I mean, there must be it's so essential to North squirrels in Scandinavia somewhere. Yeah. I'm sure. No, I, I'm, I'm not joking around. You've got like Rathagast, who's like uh, running up and down the Idraxal uh, uh, world tree. Like squirrels are squirrels. Good are point. Thing, man. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, that's a good point. That. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Also, I land. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that's the Nordic birth of squirrel. Still. That's it cool. must be, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yes, you, uh, you've you done very well there, Peter. Well done. You've got it absolutely <laughs> right, which means, my goodness, that means it's going to be difficult for difficult for Keith, uh, Keith to... Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm, re- I'm, I'm reading I'm and talking sure at the same time. Yeah? Uh, I'll just take the IKEA role-playing game. Uh, yeah. You know, you can yeah. just find that. It's got to be there. 
Uh, all the other well, ones are I, actually. I heard that like the previous version of that uh, was less gory, so this version is considerably exactly, uh, exactly. It's pickier. a weird store. Yeah, mm. but all the others all, are all actually quite obvious from the name. So I'm just going to pick the one that yes, I think looks the most obvious than you think they are. I can I can tell you that right now. All right then. All right then. This one then. Yeah. So this one's for Keith. Go we'll Keith. see how obvious this is because I think it is pretty obvious. Magic school mystery. Okay, so clearly it's a hardcore uh, war game (laughs) that is uh, for professional magicians in Las Vegas. Mm, And and they're basically, uh, you know, having to use stage magic uh, to kill your rivals. So you're going to have to chop them in half. Mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that and the mystery will be yeah. who will survive like the, pres- the prestige that movie with, uh, yes magic Hugh mystery. And Christian Bale. um well i mean the thing about it is 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 uh this is just a random question on the rules of the game uh, do we assume that everything here is inherently tied to role playing or is yes. that not a yeah. safe assumption yeah. okay um so yeah no i'm i'm i guess i'm just going to assume that it's it's an adventure module and uh, set, you know, if it was an Eberron, I would, I would obviously say Arconics, but, uh, but I'm going to say it is a adventure module slash uh, campaign setting in which, you know, basically you were playing Harry Potter. Uh, so, you know, magic students uh, trying to, to rise up in school and solve mysteries. Would you like to take a hazard at the setting? Adult setting, the system. The system. I uh, see. I'm I'm assuming five E, but that's mm-hmm. just me. Damn it! Mm-hmm. You had it. You're so close. <laughs> oh, what well, well, we've got. should go with the first answer. That's always my mistake. <laughs> yeah. So it's an original system. Okay. Oh. And okay. It's an well, RPG rather than an adventure. But other than that, yes, yeah. it looks to me like it is. I, I did figure that it was the the you know a campaign as it were rather than a, oh. just an adventure. But yeah. Yes. Uh, it says uh, the t- the tone is wholesome and a little bit juvenile. All right. Oh, okay. uh, I'll 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 see the licensed uh, motherland spinoff where <laughs> they're sent to military academy. That'll be <laughs> nice. that'll be the one I'll play. I, I, I'm done with that. Motherland Fort Salem meets uh, what's what, what's this one called? Uh, a magic, magic school mystery. Mystery. Magic school mysteries. Yeah. There you go. It writes itself. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So you both did very well. Yeah. I think Peter. Is it? Oh, he, he did. Uh, he did. Yeah. I, 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 I tipped my hat. I, I, he was, be, he was dead on. He had. I'll be happy to accept Robert. Yeah. Was, yes. What can I say? Even the blind squirrel finds nut. I'm not obsessed yeah. with squirrels. You're obsessed with squirrels. Moving <laughs> <laughs> on. Uh, quiet, please. Party meeting. We need to talk. Oh, great. The cleric's going off on one again. Sometimes I really think free healing isn't worth the hassle. Hey, I heard that. Of course you heard that, Mr. Wisdom Scroll up the wazoo. I never did understand why being wise gave you better hearing. Well, it does. It's physics. I don't think it is. Look. Who's the expert on theology and philosophy here? Whatever. Let's get this over with. So, we need to talk about party discipline. Again? Yes, again. The message clearly didn't sink in the last time. Maybe that's because the message was boring. Not everything in life 
can be solved with a giant fireball, my magical friend. I strongly disagree. Our very success, in fact, our very survival depends on party cohesion and teamwork. Blah, blah, blah. Take the rogue, for example. Constantly stealing from other party members. The other day, I went to return a vampire, and my holy symbol had been replaced with a small, oddly shaped turnip. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> New transmutation spell. <laughs> my bad. Um, and the barbarian. She flies into a rage at the slightest provocation and beats every NPC to death. Oh, yeah, it's kind of in the job description. Plus, she has that whole barbarian rage power. And, well, you know, barbarian's got a barbarian, you know? And the fighter, why, why, why does he have to challenge everybody to a duel? And I won't even mention the ranger who insists on spending all of his time in shadowy corners blowing smoke rings. What's wrong with smoke rings? There's nothing wrong with smoke rings, but there's a time and there's a place for everything. And when I'm trying to battle the undead legions of the 16th layer of hell, the last thing I need is my ranger ally sitting in a shadowy corner blowing smoke rings. <sighs> Fair enough, I guess. Right, so, uh, got all that off your chest then, have you? I do feel better now, yes. Good, 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 sir. We actually, uh, we all wanted to have a word with you ourselves. You did? Yeah, you see, uh, we think you've become a dreadful bore. Well, somebody has to be the grown-up around here. Uh, we fundamentally disagree, so this is an intervention. Uh, a what? An intervention. All this praying and wise advice and stuff. We don't want it. But I'm your sole source of healing. True, true. And if you could just stick to the healing and lay off the lecturing, there'd be no problem. But you're constantly badgering us to be better people. And let's face it, we're murder hobos and we'll always be murder hobos. Fine. Let's see how you get on in the Shadow King's lair without any healing. Actually, about that. Yes. We kind of replaced you. Replaced me? Yeah, well, after the barbarian threatened to break a few heads, we've come into possession of a big crate of healing potions. Healing potions? Yep. You've replaced me with a crate of healing potions? Yep, so you see, we don't really need you anymore. Nice, I see. So you'd better be off then. I suppose so. Well, goodbye, old friends. I shall treasure the memories of these past decades. Fare thee well. Yeah, yeah, off your trot. Don't forget to shut the door. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Phew, finally. Right, now Mr. Grumpy Face Poopy Pants is gone. Who's for a nice game of Twister? I heard that. Right then, everyone. Exploring everyone. That is true. Oh, yeah. So last time you were on, you talked about Rising from the Last War. Yes. And that oh, was yeah. last year, I think you came on. I can't remember exactly what it was, but the book came out last year, didn't it? It did, 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 yeah. did. And uh, so 
Uh, and this this that one was published by Wizards of the Coast itself. Mm-hmm. This one is published by you on the Ooh. DMs Guild. That's correct. Ah. So Rising from the Last War uh, came out in 2019 and mm-hmm. is the official Wizards of the Coast reintroduction of Eberron to 5th edition Dungeons oh. & Dragons. Until Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, basically when Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron was released, that made it legal for people to create Eberron content for the DMs Guild, which previously had not been possible. And basically over the course of the 16 years Eberron has been out, it is the intellectual property of Wizards of the Coast, and it has not been possible to create new content for it. Ever since Wayfinders came out, it has been on my mind to want, you know, to write new material, uh, in part because there's a lot of elements of Eberron that I have wanted to write about for the last 15 years that have never made it into a, an actual official book. And one of the ones I'll call, call out, this is only one chapter of the book, but still, uh, is the point that when we created Eberron, we intentionally created a new planar cosmology, that it was not attached to the Great Wheel, and that it was a new, unique uh, system. But then over 15 years, the planes never got more than a paragraph description each. And so it was this sort of frustrating point of, well, we've made something new, but we haven't really told you enough about it to actually really do anything with it. And so Planes of Eberron was always a long-term thing I wanted to write, never happened. Now, as I said, exploring Eberron is more than the planes, but that is that is an example. That is one of the chapters because well, it 50, is... 50 pages now. Before yeah, take yeah, yeah. just yeah, on just about, on the planes, about, yeah. It's about four to six pages per plane. Yeah. And and the point of this is, you know, what I'll say is Exploring Eberron is a book that explores a lot of the elements of Eberron that I've wanted to deal with that, in my opinion, have not gotten focused on in sufficient detail. It is mostly lore. It's about 180 pages of lore with about 60 pages of character options, magic items, monsters, and such. But the goal throughout it has been trying to make sure when introducing new things to focus on how are these practically interesting for players or game masters. It's not just a bunch of information. It's what do you do with it? So even with the planes, which takes up you know a good chunk of the book, a part of the point of it is it describes them in sufficient detail that you could go there, but it also talks about how do the planes, how can the planes impact any adventure? What are artifacts that could find their way from the plane to the material world? Why do creatures come from the plane to the material world? What about manifest zones, which are places where it bleeds through? And so really the idea is throughout the book, trying to be as practical as possible of here's this interesting thing, but what can you do with it? Like, why does it matter? So it goes through the history of the world, but again, very much with that approach of, okay, we're going to talk about the age of demons. We're going to talk about the age of goblins, but why, why do you care? Um, which I'll flip around and say rising from the last war, for example, specifically did not go into history much at all in part because with Rising, we were very much trying to just be very hands-on. This is stuff you can use right away and not make it feel like an encyclopedia. 
And with exploring Eberron, I do say, well, let's talk about the history, but still very much with this, how can this particular thing inspire an adventure? How could your character be connected to this point in time? So it uh, deals with history, including the history of the last war uh, and the nation of Seer that was destroyed by the morning. It deals with uh, some of the unique races of Eberron, changelings, warforged, uh, shifters, Kalistar, giving just a little more insight into their cultures, their, you know, their habits. It delves into the religions of Eberron. Uh, and part of it is some of these have been a little presented different ways in different books. This is how I view the religions of Eberron. Uh, and in addition to providing hooks and ideas, it also uh, actually adds Azamar. And part of the point is saying Azamar are traditionally tied to celestial forces. How does that relate to the religions of Eberron? You know, what do Azamar tied to the different faiths look like? So there's some sub-races in there. We also go into great detail about the cults of the dragon below, which is another aspect that we've always said they're out there and that, oh, they kind of worship Dalkir or overlords, but we've never really said well, what's the difference, mm. you know, and what does a cult of Orlask look like compared to a cult of Alara? And so, again, just a lot more information than uh, we've had in the past. Yeah. And then the big chunks of the book, we've talked about the planes, but then there's uh, chapter four delves into a bunch of the sort of interesting yeah, cultures that's the biggest, that we don't talk much chapter, about. isn't it, by quite, yep. quite a margin. Oh, it is. Yeah. And, you know, basically it could be four different chapters if we mm. wanted. It addresses Droam, the nation of monsters mm -hmm. created by the daughters of Sorakel. So this is the nation of trolls and ogres and medusas all working together. It talks about the Dakani goblins, which is the ancient goblin civilization that once dominated Corvair. It looks at the civilizations of the Thunder Sea, so some yes. of our aquatic civilizations with sea elves, Suwagan, merfolk, mm -hmm. uh, and it has a section on the Murholds, the dwarven civilization, which is something we specifically expanded on in Rising from the Last War, but then didn't have room to really go into in detail. And so... Mm. Some of these things are very are things I've wanted to write about for 15 years. Some of them, like the Roar, are something where we came up with this idea for Rising specifically that I thought mm. was really interesting and then didn't have time. So here's where I finally get to actually yeah. explore that in more detail. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, the last couple of chapters include we have... Uh, I think maybe around six, I could have it wrong, you know, new archetypes and subclasses for mm -hmm. the artificer, druid, monk, um, yes, bard, yeah. cleric. Uh, and we have a couple of new backgrounds. We have some new racial feats tied to the unique races of Eberron. Uh, we have new magic items, uh, quite a wide range, including symbionts. We have rules for Sybris dragon marks. Mm -hmm. 
And we have a number of new creatures, including Archfey from Thelanus and uh, a new Dalkir. Yeah. I think it's so to say, this is not a small book, is it? It's uh, 250 pages, give or take. So it's, it's funny because it's 250 pages, but we actually did the count, and there are actually more words in it than in Rising from the Last really? War. Really? Because oh. it's a very dense book. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Mm. So you, I mean, it's well laid out, though. It doesn't, oh, feel, it doesn't yes. feel dense when I'm yeah. um, having a look at it. It feels, Good. yeah, well, like nicely broken up. Yeah. So how, how long have you been working on this one then? Like since Rising or before? Uh, well, I started it before Rising came out. Because remember mm. that, you know, publishing is a slow process. And so, uh, so there were months. I had been hoping, actually, to get it out in December of last year, to have it mm. be quite close to Rising. Yeah, it's kind of and been coming for a while, hasn't it? Yes, it's been around no, the corner for quite a while. We've been working on it since March of 2019. Mm. Now, the thing about it is that doesn't mean it was a straight 15 months of work. You know, part of it is that other other things got in the way i was you know had to work on the adventure zone game mm-hmm. that is coming out from together studios uh in october and so there were points at which oh because it took this amount of time well now i have to stop for you know this period but uh but in short yeah we've been working on it for over a year mm. and i had uh the team included wayne chang who is the producer and art director and the art in the book is amazing wayne did a oh, fantastic yeah, job commissioning and uh you know uh, getting the art together uh laura hersbrenner did the editing and layout and again editing on a 200 and you know 35,000 word mm. book is pretty amazing. Yeah. And Will Broly uh, specifically helped on the design of the mechanics. So mm. sub races, monsters, magic items. And so I certainly did the bulk of the writing, but uh, the team helped developing the ideas, the mechanics, yeah. things like that. Nonetheless, I did the bulk of the writings. That's the point is, you know, imagine that's essentially 220,000 words of, of writing. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that takes a while. Yes. So, so yeah. Uh, So I'm very proud of it, It, Hmm. but yeah, it did take us, uh, you know, better part of a year uh, Mm -hmm. to write. You used the word sort of official earlier and rising being the official, um, the the official book. I think pretty much for many fans point of view if you've written a book on Eberron it's official whether you know what whoever's logo is on the front cover if you <laughs> if you Keith have written written a book it's, it's an official book as far as I'm concerned and I'm sure as far as many many people are concerned well and I certainly appreciate that uh, to me of course the one thing I do call out is is there's two factors you know basically it's um this is very much Eberron as I run it at my table. Mm. And so specifically, especially in, for example, the religion chapter, there are things in this book that contradict the sort of existing canon sources, in part because especially when it comes to religion, the canon sources contradict each other. Mm -hmm. And so part point to me is saying, well, okay, this is my concrete, this is how I make sense of these ideas. Mm. Uh, but it's still the point that there are certain things here that, as I said, I'm, I'm doing things slightly differently than some of the existing source books. And my whole point is you can, if you like it, 
use my version, but also to me, from the very beginning, one of the basic points we've always said about Eberron is use what you like, change what you don't. That to me, that comes back to, we were talking earlier about modules mm. way back from when I first started playing D&D. That was what I would do is I would buy modules, but then I'd totally just use that as inspiration yeah. to make mm. my own thing. And, and that's very much always been the point of Ebron as come, you know, evidenced by the fact that we don't tell you what caused the morning. You know, mm. that the whole point is we want the setting to be a source of inspiration, not a source of limitation. So use as much of the core as you want, but, but you can always adjust things to fit your story. Mm. And so with exploring Eberron, this is, again, this is very much, this is my vision of Eberron. Uh, but oh. if you prefer, you know, some other version or your own version, that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, so... You say um, these are these are things that you've wanted to write about for years, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they haven't made into uh, official source books over the over the decade or so, decade or more, isn't it? It's more than a decade. Yep. But oh, yeah. um, is is this kind of like the totality of the stuff that you you've wanted to write about, or is there tons more there oh, waiting for? So many tons more, and and that's the. The thing is, is that there's so much that we haven't seen in detail. And so, you know, going to two of the big ones to me. So the planes were one of the biggest. Mm. I mean, I do have to say that, that of all the things I've wanted to write about, the planes were the biggest just because it's such a, a big piece of, as I said, introducing a, something completely new, but not really giving people enough information to use it. Mm. And so to me, whether you describe, you know, okay, fine, we haven't gone into much detail about what's going on in the Eldine Reaches, but you don't need that to play Eberron. Whereas to me, the planes have always been this sort of gap of we say they're an important part of the world, but then we don't really talk much about them. So mm. so I would say like the planes to me were one of the most important. Yeah. This is something that has just been missing. Yeah. Um one of the other ones that is that is an old thing to that uh, that point is just from when I first submitted the uh, setting Bible to Wizards of the Coast, the original setting Bible did include discussion of aquatic civilizations. See, that's the, for me, that's, I think the thing that draws me most of all out of the, and, out of the book. For some, for some reason, I, I, I really love that, that, well, um, that section of that chapter. It, and it's just, to me, it's just the point that, again, it's something that has always been in D&D, that you mm. have the Sawagin, you have Merfolk. And, and to me, it's always been that these are creatures that are as intelligent or, in some cases, more intelligent than mm. humanity. But we know nothing, you know, unless they're monsters that we're fighting. Whereas to me, it's like, well, the oceans are their nations. Mm. And this yeah. is the funny thing is the original submission of Eberron, you know, and wasn't called Eberron at the time, but the original oh. submission to Wizards actually had three maps submitted mm. with it. It had a standard view map uh-huh. uh, that was just like you'd see, you know, like the maps we have seen. Yeah, yeah. It had a map that split the, that sort of thoroughly delineated all the aquatic civilizations in addition Mm. to the surface civilizations and it had a map that was this is the aquatic map 
right. that calls out all the ocean civilizations, but then the continents are just big black blobs, mm. essentially with the, yeah. hey, if you're a Sawagan, you don't care the same way yeah. we don't yeah, care what's in the ocean. Like, yeah, kind of reversed. Yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, a sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, as I say, that's just always a point that to me should be interesting. You know, mm. how, what are the interactions between the surface and the water mm. and we've never dealt with. Um, mm. So those are probably the two biggest things that from the very beginning were there right. in the setting and never ended up being explored. Right. The Dakani goblins were always important to me because that was this point from the very beginning of Eberron. We basically said goblins, orcs, these things are not inherently evil. Uh, and part of the point of the Takani was saying the goblins used to be the dominant civilization of Corvair. Mm. Their civilization was brought down in this terrible war with the Dalkir, and then humanity showed up and, and took everybody's stuff. Mm. Um, and so it was basically the whole idea from the start is we will preserve the idea that there is tension between goblins and humans. But that tension is based on the fact that humanity has taken all their stuff, not right, on yeah, the idea yeah. that goblins are actually in any way yeah, evil. Yeah, yeah. That if anything in that equation, it's humanity that mm. is on the wrong side of this. Um, and, and part of that was I always wanted that idea that, you know, when you go into a dungeon and we fight our way down to the bottom of the dungeon and we get the cool magic sword and we're feeling very excited about this, that I'm like, that wasn't just there you know that's somebody's magic sword you just yeah. ran off with like that's oh. probably a cultural treasure <laughs> yes, that yeah. you just took out of the king's tomb 90 percent of dnd is basically grave robbing <laughs> exactly and oh. and so we just wanted to sort of note that and so the dakani it's it's something i always wanted to explore in more detail because of that because mm. it's speaking to this is really the quite advanced uh goblin civilization yet also to me Whenever I'm dealing with other species, I want to sort of highlight how are they not just humans with green skin yeah. or yeah. whatever. And and so those were all very important. Joam I like because it it also ties to Eberron's approach to monsters that, mm -hmm. you know, the monsters aren't always bad guys and the bad guys aren't always monsters. Um, but there are many, many other things I would like to uh, deal with. Just some I've thrown out. You know, Kabara is a part of the world that I've been running uh, campaigns in myself, and it's sort of the fantasy Western element of things. Uh, the Demon Waste, the Elding Reaches. I just wrote a big thing on my uh, website and Patreon about Redra, mm. which is the land of the inspired. So there's tons more to be explored. Mm. But this has certainly captured a few of, to me, the, the things I've really wanted to hit for the longest. True. I mean, so are they going to be explored? Is there a sequel in the works bubbling at the back of your mind? Or uh, Well, I'm certainly going to write more. I mean, part of the point of it was we didn't know what the response was going to be. Mm, and the response so has been I amazing, had, hasn't it? You've oh, heard. it has been. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing is, is we weren't making a lot of plans because we didn't know if we were going to put this out and 400 people were going to buy it. And that would mm. be great, but it doesn't cover a year of, of work. And the response has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. And so thanks to everyone who's picked it up. And so knowing that there is interest, uh, I will certainly be doing more. I would say my immediate thought, we, we haven't announced anything yet. We're working on a number of ideas. 
uh, I would say my immediate thing is that I'm likely to work on some smaller things, mm. you know, more sort of 30 to 40 pages, just because a book of this size does take over a year mm. and I'd rather not just crawl back into a closet for a year sure, sure. And, and come back. So we're working on some things already, but, uh, but as I said, they're, they're not likely we wanted to do the big book in part because we wanted something that would be a hardcover that mm. I'm holding in my hand right now. Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, and, and the point is you stick this on the shelf and it, it looks good right mm. next to any, any actual book. And mm. for that, we wanted something that felt weighty, mm. but I do think, I'd like to work on a few smaller sure. uh, products that can come out. <laughs> I can more understand that. Yeah. In time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the map of the plains by uh, what's his name, Marco, Marco. Bernardini, yeah, Marco Bernardini. Yeah, which is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's it's fantastic, and and that was actually one of the last pieces we commissioned mm -hmm. because we basically got okay. to the end and we're like, well, what should we have on the interior cover? Mm -hmm. And Marco had done some work on a candle keep book mm -hmm. and and we loved his style and and i do have to say this planar map which he is selling in, independently and i have to say i'm going to get a poster of it at some yeah, point yeah you can grab that from dm's uh, guild can't you but yeah. it is beautiful it's it's not just uh sort of naming the places but each plane he's done this beautiful little sort of glimpse into the plane and sort of heraldic design around it mm. and uh it it's certainly i think probably my favorite piece of art in the book yeah it's absolutely lovely absolutely lovely but so, there is around 50 unique pieces of art uh in the book and um a lot of really fantastic work from a lot of great artists mm. Yeah, I just, uh, I think, that, yeah, for, like I said earlier, um, about the Thunder Sea and the whole um, Undersea Kingdom aspect of that really does appeal to me. But that entire chapter with its four, four well, you we call it uncharted domains, mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind, it's kind of like the, 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 central, the central piece of the book, isn't it? It's the, it's, it's the big, big, big section in the middle. I mean, can we just like quickly pop through each of them in turn and just talk about them? Is sure, that right? please. Let's do it. Okay, so we're talking about uh, Drum first, which is the one with all the monsters. It's got so, uh, Medusas and Nulls and oh. uh, all sorts of different uh, different creatures. Yeah, and, and the principle of Drum from the beginning was saying, let's take all of these monsters, and it's a little bit the same as the ocean, of saying, well, these are intelligent creatures, like especially oh. take Medusas. Mm, you yeah. know, when we started in third edition, it's saying, well, Medusas are a species, you know, yes. in, in third edition. Now in fourth I mean, in fifth, I think they've emphasized, oh, they're cursed. But in third edition, they were a species. And we're like, so you have this, this species. They are more intelligent. Like, I believe, if I recall correctly, third edition Medusa were superior to humanity in all of their mental stats. And again, you're just like, so they're not just going to sit around in caves, you know, like, what did, what did they do? And so drawn was the idea that you have a region that, basically all of these monstrous type creatures have sort of been shoved off by the expansion of human civilization and that mostly they've just sort of fought each other, you know, sort of done their own things, but that during the last war, three extremely powerful hags, the daughters of Sorakel, Mm -hmm. And part of the idea is these aren't just monsters, they're legends. You know, these are yeah. the, the people that essentially it's your sort of Baba Yaga analog that everybody yeah. knows stories about the daughters of Sorakel, yeah. uh, that they've sort of popped out of the corners from the world where they've just been hiding and, you know, torturing heroes and such yeah. and created a nation. 
And uh-huh. so again, it's imagine Baba Yaga just comes together, grabs a couple yeah. of, of republics and, and yeah. makes a nation out of them. Yeah. And so that where you'd previously had all these monsters just sort of doing their own little just minor tribal things, things yeah. uh, that they forged them into a nation, you know, a growing nation. One of the basic principles about this uh, mm-hmm. is the idea that in Corvair, in the five nations, we explore mm. the idea of what does civilization look like if arcane magic is the foundation you base it on. In Sarlona, we look at what is it like if psionics are the foundation you use. Yes. So in Droem, the whole principle is what is it like if the foundation you use for your civilization is the powers of monsters? Mm. That if you have Medusas, if you have ogres, if you have trolls, if you have harpies, what can you do with those when you're actually using them as tools, Mm. not simply as something to kill adventurers with? Mm. And that's always been sort of the interesting thing about Droam to me is not just that it's monsters, but it's monsters working together. Mm. and what happens when they cooperate and and what could you do with those abilities um the really easy one that i'll just note uh even though most people in the world don't know uh this detail is part of the idea is the reason you didn't have a lot of big cities is because they couldn't support a lot of creatures like trolls you know are carnivorous okay. they couldn't support a lot of things uh, that the donors have created a uh feed everybody it's one mm. of the reasons, oh. you know, how they maintain their power is they basically say, work for us and you'll get food and shelter. And, mm. and that basically what they feed everybody is troll sausage. Um, oh, okay. Because let's face it, you can cut a troll's arm off and he throws yeah. it back. Mm. Well, right. that means you've got an arm. Uh, yeah. so, you've got an infinite supply as well, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we've added, you know, a few touches, like obviously if it's that simple, then everyone would have done it. So we're saying well, the thing about troll meat is it's incredibly poisonous, you know, and mm-hmm. they've come up with some way to make it edible. Right. So there's a secret here, uh, mm-hmm. but it still is that kind of idea of, as mm-hmm. I said, of we just think of troll regeneration as, oh, it makes them hard to kill. And we're right. like, well, wait a second. What else could you do with that? Presumably you do and something about not having the sausage regenerate inside you into another that's troll. That's the trick. That's exactly <laughs> that be, right. That would be a problem. <laughs> right. And uh, we've noted before that, that Droem likes a lot of living food and that one of the things they often do is have a little tiny gelatinous cube as mm. a chaser to make sure that your food doesn't <laughs> uh, eat you from the inside out. Um, but, but yeah, and, and as I said, that's another example of the Gelanus Cube of, of just those ideas of let's take the things we normally think of as monsters, but look at them in different ways. Mm. So, so that's Droam. It's, uh, among other things, a great place for any type of monstrous race. You know, that's mm. where Minotaurs uh, come from. Gnolls. Uh, have a very different role in Eberron. And the Gnolls of Droam are essentially this sort of mercenary, but also kind of peacekeeping force. And that is one thing I should note, is we do have playable Gnolls in uh, exploring Eberron. Yes. uh, Because of that role that they take. Uh, Any other questions or thoughts about Droam, or shall we move on? Uh, Well, yeah, I was just uh, thinking, I mean, because you've got all these sort of different races, all of which are different to each other, Mm-hmm. And different monsters. Um, oh. is, is there any conflict within the within the nation? Where well, 
So the idea is prior to this, there was a lot of conflict in the yeah. nation. That that the original structure of this was largely when you have ogres and trolls, it was ogres and trolls just having their small little communities that they beat into submission. Yeah. While in the meantime, you have actual civilizations like the the daughters of Sor- not the daughters, the Medusas, or the Tieflings, you know, that actually just basically stayed off in their own little cities and mm. ignored everybody else. Um, and that the daughters have come in and said, nope, 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 you know, stop, you know, ogres, you can't just eat people you don't like. Um, part of the idea is that it, that is something they are enforcing with force, mm. you know, that the daughters of Shorakel has said, basically, you can all work together in our nation or we will crush you right, yeah. with our army of ogres and trolls. And so the point is, there's not a, a sort of a lot of conflict at the moment because anyone who conflicts is crushed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are certainly, it is the idea that the daughters have split power up between warlords. Each warlord holds dominion over a region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is definitely the case that um, Droem has not been recognized as a nation in part because the other nations don't believe it will last. Mm. They believe this is inherently too unstable, that it's, there's no way they can hold this together yeah, and yeah. it will collapse. And what we're saying is, well, it's been 10 years and they're doing okay. But it is that idea with Droam that, again, the whole nation is 10 years old. Mm. And it is very much this question of, is it just the, the, the threat of force and the fear of the daughters that keeps it going or can it become hmm. a truly stable nation? Sure, sure. Yeah. So let's move on to uh, the goblinoid nation, uh, Dakan. Yeah. So Dakan is, of course, uh, a slight twist because it's not the nation. That is to say that in uh, in modern Eberron, you have the nation of Dargoon mm. that is the goblin nation that has arisen during the last war. Uh, but what we basically say is the thing about it is that thousands of years ago, uh, Corvair was dominated by the Empire of Dakan, a mm-hmm. goblin civilization that was as advanced or more advanced than any of the civilizations on Corvair today. Uh, this was destroyed by in conflict with the Dalkir, who extra dimensional force, who are the lords of of in, you know of uh, essentially the far realm, if you will, mm. who basically broke things down. Um, one of the the little details I'll add here is is that part of the question is how did Dakani civilization last for so long? How has it lasted since then? And we introduced the concept of the old Dakan, uh, that is essentially the idea that the goblins, of the old empire had a shared dream mm. that when they dream, they dream of the empire. Uh, and that this was how the Dalkir essentially destroyed their civilization was they cut people off from the dream. And, uh, but that essentially in all that time, it's a sort of fallout situation where you had a number of fragments of the empire who essentially went down to fallout shelters mm. and and said, we are going to preserve our civilization and we're going to wait until it's safe to return, until the curse of the, the Dalkir has faded and we can come back and restore our empire. Hmm. So that's what you have here is uh, the Ketch Dakan, or more commonly called the the heirs of Dakan, where what we're saying is there are these scattered, essentially, vaults where the heirs of the empire 
have preserved its techniques and its traditions, mm -hmm. and they are now preparing to return and to try to restore their civilization. Right, right. And this is something that's been part of the setting from the beginning. It's always been that idea that you have the modern goblins, but you have these old Dakani goblins that, again, are much more disciplined. They're much more advanced. They have techniques that, you know, they're experts at working adamantine, for example. Um, and we also, in the book, in addition to other things, include racial statistics for the Dakani goblinoids, the Dar. Mm, yeah, she uh, In part because we're saying they are basically a separate uh, sort of subspecies because they are united by the old Dakan. They are sort of intensively trained into their particular roles in life. And so that's a path you can take, mm -hmm. is you can use the Dakani as, as antagonists, but you can also just as easily play Dakani goblins, trying mm -hmm. to learn about this new world uh, and trying to figure out, can you work with the modern civilizations or do you need to try to oppose them? Right, yeah. Uh, and this includes a goblin glossary, actually, building on the work of... Oh, yes, yes. You got a uh, double-page spread there with tons, tons of stuff on there. Yeah, no, we started with that. So that yeah, so we started <laughs> we started with that in the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, but then Don Basingthwaite, uh, in my opinion, some of the best Eberron novels that were written uh, huh. were his books, The Legacy of Dakan. And so hmm. he loves working on languages and really dig dug deeper into the uh, goblin language. Hmm. And so uh, I built on what he had created uh, in his novels. And uh, also, Jared Taylor is is just a huge Dar fan who had mm. gone further with that mm. and who helped with this. Mm. Yeah. You, um, I, um, I did have a question, actually. Um, yep. Like, Psyonix is such a massive part of the Eberron setting. Like, you've got a whole nation of psychic people. There's no current support, as far as I'm aware, in 5th mm -hmm. edition. How do you handle rules for psychics? Uh, well, there's a couple different ways just to, to oh. speak to it quickly. Uh, oh. One of the things we do in that is in Exploring Eberron is uh -huh. in the Kalistar uh, section is we talk about basically that to some degree set aside the recent Unearthed Arcana articles and such like that. Part of the point is that you can reflavor existing things as uh -huh. psionics. You can play yeah. a great old one warlock and just say, my powers are psionic. You know, uh, it's the choice of spells, things you choose, if you choose things that fit. Uh, so we have a mind domain for the cleric mm -hmm, that yes. is largely intended to say this can let you feel like you're playing a psionic priest, not a cleric. Um, I will say that a big part of while psionics is a concrete part of the setting, it was always designed from the start that people who didn't like psionics could play without it. And so part of it is psionics are really concentrated in the Kalistar, the yep. Inspired, and Sarlona. And yes. if you just don't go to Sarlona, yes. you're okay. Now, I did oh. write a series of articles on my website, keith-baker.com, mm -hmm. uh, which is also further than on my Patreon, uh, uh -huh. that delved into Reidra in 5th edition, specifically addressing that point of people saying, how can I use Sarlona without psionics? And mm. well, go to keithbaker.com because okay. I wrote a whole well, thing about that. Well, fantastic. Thanks so much. Anyhow, carry hey. on, Russ. 
Uh, can we do the ne- the last of your three questions quickly? Yes. Oh yes, last of the three questions is that we want you to compose an Eberron themed limerick. Oh, I like this one. Uh, <laughs> we'll judge you. Uh, so this one is purely creative. You know, there is no you uh, you can't be wrong. But we will certainly judge you on how grounded is it. I want a limerick that I feel someone could tell in shot. <laughs> so, okay. I am very, very much looking forward to seeing the answers to that one. Me too. <laughs> and it has to fit in a tweet. Well, no, maybe. No. You know, no. We won't limit you. <laughs> yeah, so that's three questions. All in one email, please, to morrispodcast at gmail.com. So we're going to give you a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, so right. as long as we get it before we record next week, I'm going to cut it yeah. off there. Yeah. That makes sense. And then yeah. uh, obviously we can't announce the winners next week because then we then have to talk to uh, talk to Keith and see which ones he likes the best. So hopefully Absolutely. we'll be able to announce the winners in the following week, at which point we'll send out those three hardcover books. So the closing time is 2 p.m. Friday, 21st, British Summer Time. Yes, Excellent. that is Fantastic. correct. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be quite, quite a thing. I mean, um, hopefully there'll be some, and possibly as a consolation prize, we might read out some of the limericks. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear that. So. Yeah, you know you do. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. So, Peter, is there anything that uh, you wanted to delve into there? Oh, I think I think Keith has given us some absolutely fantastic information. This this is a really beautiful book. It's mm. Thank you so much. Well laid out. Um, I particularly like all the Warforged art in it. Um, like right near the start, there's a Warforged, I guess That's... a druid. They're covered in roses and like they've got vines coming through them. I'm like, this is this is really nice. Mm. I, I, I will say that was the, like the first piece commissioned for the book. And that actually yeah. is because that is of a player character of mine. Ooh. Uh, a druid, in fact, yes. named Rose. And uh, and also, similarly, that is a druid that is where the Circle of the Forged, we have a subclass that is is specifically aimed. You don't have to be Warforged to take it, but it's aimed at Warforged because it basically mm. lets a druid become a construct animal. Mm. Uh, it's the, the, the Beast Wars Transformer. Why isn't there a Transformers RPG? Well, just uh, there is one. Like you, just, just there. Uh, <laughs> All right, fair enough. Got yeah, yeah, there well, you are. Everyone plays Circle Force Druids. Yeah. What do you want for us? It's like it's all right for you. <laughs> so honestly, we could talk about this for another hour and still not even Scratch cover half. Of, it's such a big book, and there's oh. so much in it. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've only, I, I must have only read about half of it so far. Mm. It's, you know, it's a big 250-page, and like you say, dense yes. book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot there, yes. Um, I yeah. wonder if you could come back on, you know, we've only got through two of those uh, domains there, and I'd like to delve into the planes a little more as well. No, I would, I would love to. Is that okay? Uh, I, I, and also, give you a chance to get to We could talk to, we could talk about limericks. Yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> just yeah, saying. We could read oh, some yeah. limericks. If, you, if you'd like to come back on, and maybe we can go over some lyrics and like your favorite answers and why you love them then i think that would be fun i I think that'd be immense fun so it's it's always so much fun to have you on the podcast especially as someone who digresses even better than i do yeah i think next time we'll try and have a shorter news section as well because we we had a lot of news (laughs) a lot of news to cover i mean (laughs) i mean you know i mean i i needed to know the lineup for rivers of london (laughs) yeah Uh, and 
now we now we know. <laughs> All right. Well, I look forward to coming back and talking more. Right. I, will e- I will email you about that and we'll sort of arrange it for like two or three weeks. All right. If, yes. if, that, if that's good. Uh, yeah, good. We'll just, this will just basically we, be a We won't make people wait to, to choose a winner on the thing, but we no, can still no. read some of the, the yeah. answers yeah. When, the, yeah. the, the, when we get back on. Yeah. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah. Well, thank you, Keith. It is always a real pleasure talking to you. I always love talking to you. And thank you for coming on. And I can't wait till you come back on again in a couple of weeks. That's going to be brilliant. Yeah. It sounds good. And and thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Right. Thank you, Keith. Thank you so much. So next week, we've got Richard August, who's coming on to talk about yes. epic encounters. Then we've got Justin Faulkner the following week talking about dark matter. Then Rick nice. Hines the following week talking about red opera. So it looks like the 11th of September, that's an unfortunate date, is yeah. uh, is is our next free week. Uh, All right. We could, well, Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Yeah. We'll be back next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Russ. And goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Guild Roll Players. And me, Keith Baker. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. I'm quite, I'm quite happy to do a Star Trek forecast. Should we just do that now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It worked for me.